All right. <clears throat> Listen to this. We're going to, I want to talk about converted today, being converted, being converted. Jesus says here, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Okay? When you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Now, let's, let's just roll back to the beginning. We are born. We are conceived. We are born. We don't get to choose our family. We don't get to choose uh, where, where the stork drops us. We just land there. And you re don't realize that, you know, how maybe wacky or crazy your family is until you grow a little older and then you start going to family reunions. And then you realize there's a great diversity here. So we, the Bible says that in Psalm 51, I was born in sin and I was shaped in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. So we have to look at it this way. Number one, we are born sinners. We are born lost. We are born subject to the law that was put on us. Now that law that was put on us came from the disobedience of Adam and Eve. It came from the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden when God said you can take care and you can touch and, and deal with every tree in the garden except one. This one, you don't go near it. You don't eat of it. You don't, don't mess with it. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't go there. Because in the day that you do, it, you're going to die. Why is it in our nature that it, if you go into a large building, every door that's open you don't care about except the one that's locked? Every door that's locked, that's the one we want to go in. That's our curiosity kills the cat. That's the one that we go into, that door that's locked, because we want to go into, we want to see what's so important behind that door that it, they want to keep it locked up from us. And so out of all these trees in the garden, out of all the, the vegetation in the garden, out of the beauty of the garden, this one tree, Adam and Eve, for some reason, they, they ended up there one day. Now, I don't know if it was just a one-day trip, you know, uh, that they decided to go on a day trip somewhere, and they ended up by the tree or, or not. And, you know, it's kind of like people who want to go on road trips. You know, you've got two kinds of people who want to go on road trips, those who drive and those who sleep. And it's amazing, the ones who sleep always want to go on the trips. And the ones who drive, they see the whole trip. I guess it's the destination that matters, isn't it? It's the destination. It's not... <laughs> Never mind. So there you go. So they end up by this tree, and they take part of the fruit. They take the fruit down, and the, the serpent, the enemy, the devil is there. And he has... Talk to Eve enough where she is ready to eat this fruit. God said, don't do it. We know the story. She ate the fruit. She gave it to Adam. He ate the fruit. And suddenly they realize that they're naked. Suddenly they realize that they are knowing right and wrong. 
Suddenly they realize that everything has just been put out of balance. And so this law has been placed upon them. This invisible law has been placed upon them that says now you are going to be subject to this master that you have chosen to serve. And so now we begin to have sickness and disease enter into the human race. We now have death that's going to enter into the human race. We now have all of this uh, emotional situation that's now going to be unleashed in the human race. Uh, emotions of hatred and anger and, and, and strife and malice and, and lying and cheating and stealing and being hurtful and destructive and, and pain and all of this. So now Adam and Eve have become subject to that law. And because we are the descendants of Adam and Eve, we too were subject to that law. Peter was subject to that law. And in order for there to be a, re a resolution to the situation, God had to have a plan. And that plan was that he would robe himself in flesh and that he would come and live on earth. He would die, he would shed his blood, and that blood would redeem mankind. Because the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. Amen? It says that in Hebrews. Now, you have to have blood. There has to be a blood sacrifice. Life has to be given in order for there to be life that is uh, received again. And so this, uh, Bi the Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, that the life is in the blood. And because the life is in the blood... Blood has to be given in order for there to be the continuation of life. Now, Jesus had a virgin birth. Do you know that 54% of evangelical Christians do not believe in the virgin birth? How about that? Do you know now... What I'm telling you is the state of the church as well. Do you know that now all this is backed up by research? Ever heard of Barna, George Barna, Dr. George Barna from Arizona? He's been, he's been surveying and researching the church trends for the last 40 years. 46% of evangelicals say that if a couple is engaged, it's all right for them to have sexual relations before they're married as long as they're engaged. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. But 46% of the people that we walk with think that's okay, almost 5 out of 10. That's why the church is in trouble today. We don't believe in a virgin birth. We don't believe in a resurrection. Some churches don't even believe in a resurrection. Some churches don't believe in, in, in hell. They don't believe in a literal devil. So if the devil's been fighting you all your life, it's not really the devil. You're just nuts. It's in your mind. It's in your imagination. So we're looking at a church situation where even the church is having trouble believing that man is in trouble. Do you know actually that there is a cultural war going on, just like there is in, in the political realm right now between, you know, uh, left and right, Democrat and Republican and all of that. There is a war going on in the church because there are churches who are 
who are endorsing candidates that support abortion. And that's against God. And they say, well, you know, abortion is just like any other sin. It's just there. You just repent of it and go on. But there was a reason that God, all through the Old Testament, said, I detest the shedding of innocent blood. There was a reason for that. Today, you're sitting in a church that believes that abortion is wrong. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in a literal hell. We believe in a literal devil. We also believe in a literal heaven. We also believe that there is a literal Savior that can do miracles, that can turn water into wine, that can walk on water, that can raise the dead, that can feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish, not counting the women and children in the crowd. You're sitting in a church today that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling into a man and woman's life and completely changing them. In fact, it will convert them. Hallelujah. Give the Lord some praise, would you? Now, now, so we believe in that. So Adam and Eve are lost. And it is passed on down generation to generation, millennia to millennia, to their descendants, us. And so we're born sinners. We're born in trouble. We're born lost. Oh, my. You know, even at Edison's young age, he's born in a sinful condition. And one day he will come to the, to the point and to the situation in his own life where he will, where he will have to determine what he's going to do. All of us have that option. All of us have the option that we're going to determine what we're going to do. Are we going to be converted or are we not going to be converted? You can't get saved until you're lost. Do you hear that? Do you like that, Johnny T? You can't get saved until you're lost. How can you save someone who isn't lost? Anybody ever been swimming? Two of you. Two of you like to swim? All right, three. All right. When somebody's out there swimming, and they're just doing fine, they're breaststroke, backstroke, side stroke, any stroke will do, crawl, whatever, and you throw them a life preserver, a lifesaver. What do they say? I don't need that. I'm swimming. But the one who's yelling, help, help, and is going down and comes up spitting and sucking water, throwing their arms, help, help, and they go back down again. They need the lifesaver. They need the life preserver. They need a life jacket. Why? Because they realize that they're in trouble. People swimming through life are swimming through life. They're fine. Everything's good. I got my 401k. I don't even know how you spell that. I got a 401k. I got retirement. I've got a good job. I got a good wife, got a good family. I got a 24-foot bass boat in the driveway. Ooh, that was always my dream. I just wanted a ranger bass boat. Amen. I got everything I need. But do you have peace of mind? 
is that empty spot in your heart, that spot that God created in each one of us, is it filled with God? Or is it filled with things? Sad, sad thing I saw the other day. I was driving down the road over here, and I was passing the liquor store, and lo and behold, someone who used to sit in these pews is coming out of the liquor store. Wow. What are we trying to fill that spot with? You see, in each one of us, there is a need and a desire to be converted. There is a need and a desire to be converted, to get out of the situation that Adam and Eve put us in and, and the works of the flesh and the law of the flesh and to be converted over to now the walking and the work of the Spirit in our life. There's that need and that hunger. So Adam and Eve brought upon each of us that law of sin, which required a Savior, which required a virgin birth. You see, I, you think, I thought I forgot about it. That virgin birth came because blood comes from the Father. So if Jesus would have been born of the natural union of family of Mary and Joseph, he would have taken on Joseph's blood in, through, the, through the placenta and the sac and on the DNA, and his father's blood would have transferred into his body, and therefore the same blood that Joseph had would have been the same blood that Jesus had, which is the same broken, nasty blood that we all had when we were born. That, that blood that says you're, you're full of sin, you're full of disease, you're full of, you're full of iniquity, you're full of darkness. That's why there had to be a virgin birth because the father of Jesus was the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Hello? The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Why? Because his blood was not just blood. His blood was the blood of the lamb that slain from the foundation of of the world. The blood that was in the body of Jesus Christ was blood that was taken from the heavenlies and placed inside of that seed and inside of that woman when she conceived of the Holy Ghost. And now we see, and now we see that there is a remedy on the earth called Jesus Christ. And that remedy is going to walk on water. And that remedy is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And that remedy is going to teach and preach to thousands. And that remedy is going to do all of this business. Until suddenly, suddenly, that remedy is murdered by the government. And I would say that some of us, this past couple of weeks, the disciples probably felt like we did. And like, notice I said we did. And maybe we still do. What about this? You're seeing him do all these miracles. You're seeing him turn water into wine. You're seeing him... Speak to the cemetery and yell out one name. And that one name, that person walks out 
of the grave. If he would have said, come forth, every body, every body, B-O-D-Y, would have walked out of that cemetery because the voice of resurrection was talking. If he would have said, come forth, they'd have lined up like a parade. It'd have been a parade. You talk about walking dead, brother. They'd have been there. It'd have been there. They saw it all. And now he's hanging on a tree across dead. And now he's dead. And now all hope seems to be gone. And everything, they, they, can't even, they can't even fathom. They can't even remember the words that he said. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again. They can't even remember when he said, you know what? It's time for me to come to the, to the cross. It's time for me, my time is at hand. This is the whole reason I came into the earth. This is the whole reason I came to the earth. The Bible says that the word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was his thought. It was his intent. That's what that word means. We talked about that a couple of Wednesday nights ago. Wednesday nights have been good around here, I think. Okay, it's quiet. Does not have any Wednesday night? See, the thought was, I will dwell in flesh. The thought was, I will become. The intent was, I will become a man. I will shed my blood that came from my Father, from heaven, pure blood, and I will redeem the sins of mankind once and for all. And these, the disciples are so sad. They're so dejected. They're so depressed. They're so, they don't even know what to do. They don't want to eat. They can't hardly sleep. There's a big ruckus all through the, to the streets of Jerusalem that, you know, the, the government's already killed Jesus. Now they're going to chase down all of the disciples of Jesus. They're in hiding. They're stressed out. They're fighting amongst each other. They don't know whether to stay in Jerusalem or go, go fishing up in the Galilee area. They don't know what to do. I don't know if anybody's ever been in that situation where you don't know what to do. When you don't know what else to do, all you can do is surrender. Somebody said, my back's up against the wall. That's the best place to be because if your back's up against the wall, you can't back up anymore. If your back's against the wall, you can't do anything else. Are we people that believe in miracles? Okay, I'm going to ask that one more time in English. Are we people that believe in miracles? Then why are you crying over this election thing? why god may be getting ready to yank i'm just watching i'm just watching all of the boastfulness on television i'm just watching all the media just fawn all over themselves i'm just watching them making spots on the carpet right where they're standing they can't contain themselves i'm just watching them so happy i'm watching all of these politicians oh you know today tomorrow today georgia tomorrow we're going to change america i'm watching all this happen and i'm just saying lord if you're going to put this show on it's going to be one of the greatest shows on earth because i'm telling you there's going to be a lot of people having to eat a lot of words and there's going to be a lot of people angry and god if you're the god of heaven and earth then you can do whatever you've got to do guess what if he can take all of that and make it what he wants it to be he can convert us and make us what he wants us to be as well amen 
Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord some praise on that one now. So he said, so here we are. He's the God of miracles. He can do anything. So we need to believe that. We need to start believing that he can do exactly what he wants to do. We need to start believing that he can do exactly what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. So if you're down to the bottom of the rope, you just tie a knot and hang on. You know, that's the old saying. Guess what? Sometimes you just might as well let loose and let free fall in God. Because I'm free. Thank you. I know what people have been listening to. I was just talking about being free. I was talking about Martin Luther King. I'm free. Then somebody's free falling. Sometimes you might want to free fall in God. Sometimes it's best to just free fall in God and let God do what he wants to do in your life. Amen? And so the disciples are all stressed out. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to turn to. They don't know who to trust. And then suddenly, on that morning of the third day after Jesus dies, Mary, Mary and, and they come back from the tomb and they say, Jesus is not there. Jesus is not there. And the disciples start freaking out. Oh, they've stole his body. Oh, this has happened. Oh, that's happened. Peter and John went back to the tomb. Now, John was more dignified than Peter was. When John, John beat Peter there, it was a foot race. John beat Peter to the tomb. He stood outside by the, by the stone. But when Peter got there, he just blasted on in. And there were the grave clothes. And there was no body. There was nothing there. He was gone. He was gone. And lo and behold, he starts showing up. He walks right into the middle of the room, starts showing up. He's looking at him. He's looking at all of them, and, and he says, you know, he's talking to Peter, and he says, Peter, he said, do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Then he says again, Peter, do you love me? He keeps asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And he says, feed my sheep. And, and then he says, finally, he says, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter said, you know I love you. That's when he said, I've prayed for you, Peter. I've been praying for you. That your faith doesn't fail. And when you are converted, strengthen the brothers. When you are converted, strengthen the brothers. All of us have to have a conversion. Not one of us that have ever been born of a woman on this earth can get by with not having a conversion. All of us have to have it. All of us at some point have to realize, I can't swim like this any longer. All of us have to realize, I cannot go on by myself like this any longer. All of us have to realize that I am not always okay. See, we like to do things in our own power. We like to do things in our own way. We like to do things in our own circumstances, in our situations. We like to do it our way. I did it my way. The singer's coming back. We like to do it our way. But sometimes our way is not his way. Is it? Sometimes our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our plans are not his plans. Our motives don't match up to his motives. There has to be a conversion come. And he said to Peter, when you are converted, strengthen the brothers. When you are converted, when you are changed. Now, what is conversion? Conversion is taking something that does not work or in that situation and will make change it and make it pliable and make it work in the situation. 
We all have to have a change in our lives. We all have to have a change in our lives. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to have a change. Tim, you got to have a change. All of us have to have a change. We cannot continue walking on this earth in our first Adam form, in our first Adam life, in our first Adam thinking, in our first Adam way of doing things, and expect God to accept us. You see, there's a lot of people in church today that are living in sin, and they think they're going to heaven. And this is probably will be termed hate speech, but they're not. Because the Bible begins to talk about, don't be drunkards. You know what it says that? Don't be whoremongers. I'm using the old King James. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor liars. For these, there is more of for these shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Pastor, I had that cross. I had that cross necklace hanging on my mirror, and I rubbed it every day. Every day. I rubbed it when I got in my car. I rubbed it when I got out to get to work. I rubbed it twice when I went to Walmart so my spending would not be high. I rubbed that cross every day. You telling me I ain't going to make it? I'm just telling you, you better hope it was made out of iron, cast iron. That way you could lick your fingers and get some iron in you. Because guess what? Fornicators aren't going to make it. Idolaters aren't going to make it. Idol worshipers are not going to make it. Revilers aren't going to make it. Come on. Liars aren't going to make it. Revelation 21.8, And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and with brimstone. Does that sound like everybody's going to make it? But this is the problem. It's the problem. These same liberal churches that believe that all of this is all right that's going on politically in the wor world, uh, they also say, you know what, you can be this. Where, God, where, where man puts a period, God puts a comma. You ever heard that? I have. So the churches now condone homosexuality. The churches now condone priests and preachers homosexual in the pulpits the church has why because there's been no conversion there's been no change but guess what family worship center we believe that there has to be a change we believe that there has to be a conversion you have to lay your sins down you have to lay your lifestyle down that you're living that is not pleasing to god you're telling me pastor that churches churches are full of people that aren't going to make it yes that's what I, I'm saying that. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. And guess what? We have come in here and assembled the last 14 years in this church, and we've sat with people that their lifestyles, if they would have died at that point, I don't know if they'd have made it. I'm not going into detail or show you pictures. I'm just telling you. But then you wonder why. Why aren't they in church anymore? Well, it's because, you know what? They're, they're following the old law. 
They're following the old way of life. They're following the old way of flesh. When God says, except you be converted, when you are converted, strengthen the brothers. Strengthen the brothers. There has to be a change in our lives. And listen, when that change comes in our lives, it's called surrender. You've got to surrender. You've got to surrender your pride. You've got to surrender your will. You've got to surrender everything and say, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. How do you know, Pastor? Man, I've lived it. I'm a human being just like you. I went to church. I went to a church. I went, you know, they, 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 they spoke in tongues. They ran around the building. I told one girl last week, I said, was you at church Sunday? And she said, yeah. I said, I could have swore. Did I see you running around the church, running the aisles? Boy, she got her eyes got big, and I said, well, maybe it wasn't you. Hallelujah. I went to church that believed in what the Bible said. And I wanted the Holy Ghost. I wanted it. I wanted the Spirit of God in my life. But I didn't want to let loose of everything else I had. I wanted to hang on to that and have that too, you know, like that, that one that wakes up living in adultery and goes out and rubs on that chain, that cross. You rub long enough, you, it might make you, you think you never... He took, you know, when I was growing up, we sang a song, He Took My Sins Away. said, He didn't let me live in my sins. He took them away. He said, You're free. You're converted. So here I am. I want the Holy Ghost, but I want to hang on to all the junk in my life. Long story short, the night I got the Holy Ghost, here's what, here's what came out of my mind and out of my spirit. Lord, I don't care anymore. You take everything that I'm trying to hang on to, but I have to have you. i got to be converted tonight. And guess what? I was converted. You know what it's called? Surrender. We all have to surrender one day. I don't know if it's pride that holds us up. I don't know if it's arrogance that holds us up. I don't know if it's admitting that, yeah, you know, man, I, maybe I need some help. You know, all of us need some help. As Caitlin would say, all oh, y'all. All y'all need some help. All of us need help. I'm in there too. I need help. But you know, you're going to have to surrender and say, Lord, whatever you want to give me, I'm willing to take it. Because guess what? I counted what he was going to give me more valuable than what I already had. I already had lived through the depression. I had already lived through the void and the emptiness in my life. I grew up in an alcoholic home. I saw what that did to families. I saw what it did to marriages. I saw what it did to kids. I know kids who were divorced, families who were divorced, kids are divorced. I know all of that. I saw it all. It's nothing but sin and destruction. It's nothing but killing and hurting and pain. But Jesus said, if you will just come and can be converted, I'll give you life everlasting. I'll give you peace of mind. I'll give you joy in your heart. I'll give you freedom in your spirit. Hallelujah. We've got to be converted, all of us. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke chapter 3, I believe it is, or 13, verses 3 and 5. It says the exact same thing. Except you repent, you all perish. Well, Pastor, I don't believe some things are sin. We're not going to split hairs today. I'm just telling you, you've got to be converted. You've got to be converted. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. 
Get the Holy Ghost in your life. Why are you running from it? Stop running. When you're converted, Peter, I want you to, I'm going to give you two examples. I'm closing. Music, people. Bring that band. That band was awesome. That one song, they didn't want to stop playing. They just kept playing. They were on fire. Amen. I want you to look at two things about Peter, and I'm done. I hope I haven't bored you to death. hope it was worth the drive. Just look at it like this. Gas is only two fifteen a gallon, so, I mean, it, it wasn't co- didn't cost you much to get here, so it didn't have to be real good. Now, if gas was 6 bucks a gallon, I'd better have a better message. Amen. Make it worth it. Before Peter's conversion, what did he do? He lied. He lied. Peter lied. He walked with Jesus three years and lied at the end. Peter was the one, the only one, say only one, the only one who was crazy enough to look out on the water and say, Lord, if that's really you, bid me come. Now, we all like to say, yeah, Peter, he got out there and sank. But uh, he's the only one who had guts enough to get out there in the first place. He was the only one to let go of the boat. Peter walked on water. Peter saw thousands fed with five loaves and two fish. Peter saw all of this going on. Peter was there at the first miracle, turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana. And that night, around the fire, the campfire, you know where your clothes get smelling like smoke. Ugh. That's a try. That's my cross, folks. Jesus said, somebody's going to deny me in the group here. Oh, Peter said, I won't deny you. Not me, Lord. He said, in fact, in fact, Lord, in fact, I'll go with you all the way to the cross. Hang me up beside you. Just hang me up there. I'm right here, Lord. I got your back. And the Lord looked at Peter. Now, thank God Peter had thick skin. The Lord looked at Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. He called him a devil. He called Peter a devil. Get behind me, Satan. Oh, my Lord. He said, before the rooster crows two times, you're going to deny me three times. Not me, Lord. They come to get Jesus in the garden. What does Peter do? Peter whips out a sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. Wham! There's that ear down there on the ground. Blah, 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 blah. Just quivering. Blah, 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 blah. Can you see it dancing? You ever cut a chicken's head off, let go of them? You don't even have to buy tickets to a show like that. It's so awesome. There's that ear. Jesus reaches down. Puts it back on the guy's head. Boom. They haul Jesus away. 
Peter's over there warming himself by the burn barrel, the union burn barrel. Amen. Picket line. And you know, you know it's got to be a young damsel. I think you're one of them. Peter said, no, I'm not one of them. This verse. She said, no. See, some, some women just can't stop. They just kept, she just kept on. She said, no, I hear your accent. You're not from Vandalia. You're from Mulberry Grove. They got an accent over there in Mulberry Grove. She said, no, you're from Galilee. No, I'm not. Twice. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Finally. Finally. She presses a third time. You have got to be one of them. And then his seamanship, his sailor, came out of him. She said, I know you're one of them. He said, I am not one of them. I don't know the man. And the Bible says he cussed. He cursed. And about that time, the rooster crowed. Don't just think a rooster is just crow in the morning when the sun comes up, because they don't. All right? They crow all night long. Because I've been, I stayed in Honduras with one outside my window. And that sucker, I mean that rooster, he crowed 200 blocks across town. 20 seconds later, another one crowed. And they held a conversation all night long. And then the street light kept getting brighter and then shut off. And it kept getting brighter and then shut off. I'm going to tell you, that night in Honduras was something else. Amen. That rooster crowed. And the Bible says, I believe it maybe it's in Luke, that when that rooster crowed that time, the last time, the Lord looked straight at Peter and their eyes locked. That's before the conversion. That's before the conversion. He's whipping out a sword and going after the high priest's servant's ear. He's at a burn barrel, lying. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Finally, the rooster crows. The sound of judgment comes. His eyes locked with eyes with the Lord. And the Bible says that Peter ran out and wept bitterly because he had failed. And guess what? All of us have failed. All of us have, know that feeling of failure. All of us know how we've let down the Lord before. We, we vowed we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I'm going to change and nothing changes. We vow, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work at the church more here. I'm going to work in the, this ministry. I'm going to help. And then it doesn't come through because we're afraid because we don't want to get hurt. We're afraid of things. But then we feel we've let the Lord down. But the Lord said to Peter after all of that, he said, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, there's coming a change, Peter. If you just hang on, there's coming a change. When you are converted, I want you to strengthen the brothers. I want you to speak strength into them. I want you to speak uh, hope 
into them. I want you to speak life into them. Because you see, there's only one hope, brothers and sisters, and the hope is that it's on the other side of conversion. We're not just all going to die and go to sleep and not know we exist anymore. Somewhere in eternity, all of us are going to live on forever and ever and ever. All of us are going to live on somewhere in eternity forever. I want to live in the presence of the Lord. I don't want to live in the judgments of the Lord. I want to live in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Let's all stand. Now, the next time you see Peter, the Bible says that he's in an upper room. He's in an upper room. And he's counting people. We're all here. In fact, even Mary's here. Jesus' mother's here. Some of Jesus' half-brothers are here. We got a new disciple that took Judas's place, Matthias. Everybody's here. Number of about 120. They're in an upper room because Jesus said, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father that I'm going to send you. And he said this, you shall receive power. You know what that power is? That power is a converter. That power is a converter. It converts us from darkness to light. It converts us from lost to found. It converts us from no hope to hope. Come on now, somebody. It converts us from sadness to joy. Oh, are you glad? Anybody glad you found the joy of the Lord in your life after your conversion? Come on. And anybody in here feeling that way? Anybody, did you get the joy of the Lord? So then Peter gets baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost after his conversion. That's where the conversion takes place. You see, you just don't drum it up. It's not on your own power. It's, come, it's, it's a divine, supernatural encounter with the Spirit of God that comes into your life, that fills your heart, that fills your spirit, and says, guess what? You used to say this, now you're going to say this. You used to go there, now you're going to go here. You used to do all of these things, now you're not going to do those things, but you're going to do these things. Why? Because I'm telling you, there's power in conversion. And God wants to make sure each and every one of us is converted. Each and every one of us is set on the right track. Each and every one of us is ready to go. Hallelujah. And so Peter receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It comes out. Throw that up, Brother Jonathan. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Acts verse 3. Acts 2, 3, and 4. Acts 2, 3, and 4. The conversion takes place. When you're converted, strengthen your brothers. When you're converted, strengthen your brothers. Acts chapter 2, 3. This is the day of Pentecost, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set up on each of them. Yes. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's a supernatural infusion of divine power that's a supernatural diffusion infusion of divine power what are you saying pastor i'm saying i received my infusion june 16th 1981 only bernie and a few others was alive then pat 1981 brothers and sisters divine infusion let me ask you this when was your divine infusion 
Well, pastor, I didn't have it like that. No, but it says you can. For the promise, Acts chapter 2, verse 41, for the promise is unto you, to your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You're here today hearing this word. Apparently, God set it up in your, in your destiny. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Apparently, the Lord wants you, you in this somehow, some way. He puts you here. He spoke to your heart. Hallelujah. He connected you with the right people, and now you're hearing this thing. You say, I ain't never heard this thing before. I ain't never heard this Holy Ghost speaking in tongues business. Well, guess what? I never heard it either till somebody told me about it. I never heard it either till I was under those church pews sleeping, watching all those people, those long heels, spiked things. When women were dancing in the power of the Holy Ghost, and I was hiding under the pew so I didn't get spiked. What kind of church did you go to? A wild one. I like for us to get a little bit of this. I heard people clapping today. I heard people speaking in tongues today. I can't wait till the fire falls in here. I can't wait till the fire falls in here and God gets a hold of us. I can't wait till it happens. Hallelujah. I'd like to see some people falling out. I'd like to see some people running the aisles. I'd like to see some people dancing. I'd like to see some new people speaking in tongues for the very first time when that conversion happens in their lives. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about Holy Ghost and fire. I'm talking about Holy Ghost and fire. God wants to have a Holy Ghost church in this last hour. He wants to have a church that's going to walk by his precepts and by his word. He wants a church and a people that's going to be willing to worship and praise. You see, I can't just bring praise in here, brothers and sisters. If I had a trunk, if I had a truck, if I had a semi, I'd back it up here every Sunday and every Wednesday and I'd unroll and unload some worship and praise in here and I'd flood this place with worship and praise. But I'm going to tell you what, there's coming a day that when the redeemed and the converted of the Lord come in together and they've been victorious over death and hell and they've been victorious over every attack of the devil in their lives, there's going to be a shout on our lips and there's going to be a praise in our tongue and we're going to worship and praise him like we've never worshiped and praised him before hallelujah give him some glory hallelujah now we got some we got a band amen amen talking about being converted what is conversion pastor it's a it's a decision you just have to decide if you're going to surrender and let me tell you something surrendering in the lord is not bad Actually, it's been very enjoyable. Amen? It's been very enjoyable for me. You see, the devil will make you think, well, if I do that, I'll just have to be a nun. You know? You see all those nuns at Trump's rally up there in Wisconsin, I think it was, all the nuns were lying. They were in the front row. There they were. I'm sure they didn't vote for him. Yeah. Because it appears nobody did. Amen. What do you call those, Sister Sylvia, those nun things? Who? It is a habit. It's a hard habit to break. Yeah. H-A-B-I-T? Really? Well, if I, if I convert to the Lord, I'll have to wear a nun, wear, wear a nun gown and be a, wear a habit. Whatever they call the gowns, I don't know. Oh, it's a whole out. 
I'm just going to have to wear a habit. I'm going to have to wear, be a habit. I'm going to have to be a monk and live up in the Himalayas and write scriptures all day long, shave my head, and drink green tea. No. The Lord's got great things for you if you just surrender. The Lord has great, great things for you if you just surrender. I can't even tell you. I don't even know how many countries I've been in. 15 or 20, 25 countries. I don't know. I've preached on, on four or five continents. Amen. The Lord has allowed me to have been, been to Hawaii seven times. Now, that's wonderful. I'm counting on the next one. I got two more to tie Mary Lou. Two more. Three to win. Amen. I'm going to do it. In Jesus' name. What are you saying? I'm saying God's got good things for you, just if you'll be converted. So I'm talking to somebody today. Why not be converted? Why not surrender? Why not yield to the Lord? Why not let the Lord work in your life? Let him do what he wants. Let him do that thing that he wants to do in your life. Amen. Close your eyes. I want you to just meditate on what we talked about here, just for a moment. Being converted. into the fellowship of the kingdom into the from the hopelessness of the world and to have hope in Jesus Christ out of the darkness into your love and into your light grace upon grace beauty for ashes yes, you come to us and we come alive anybody else want to come there's several who have come. Anybody else who have come pray? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Don't let this opportunity pass. Don't let this chance pass. 
will never be like this in this place again. Not by might, not by power, by your spirit, God. Send your spirit, God. Yes. Not by might, not by Lord, convert each and every one of us. Convert each and every one of us by your power, Lord. Make us different. Change us. Make us different. Change us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, sweep away. Brush away the dead works of the flesh. Brush away the works of the flesh, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. Move in every life today, we pray. Move in every heart today, Lord. Every heart, God, that's weighing out circumstances and situations in our lives. Every heart, God, that's weighing out, God, prices and costs. Every situation, every circumstance, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, glory to God. Lord, I just pray for every heart today that the words that we've spoken will fall into ground in our hearts and will take root, God, to bring fruit, to make a decision, fruit, Lord, to turn, fruit, God, to decide and say, this is what I want, this is what I want. Help us not to listen to the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy say, you don't want that. The lies of the enemy say it's it's not you won't be happy. It's a sad life. It's a legalistic life. It's it's a life that is just bound by rules and restrictions. Lord, the devil is a liar. Because Lord, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He who, who the Lord passes by and sets free, God, we're free from the darkness. We're free from the entrapment. We're free from the prisons in our mind. We're free from all of that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing it one more time. Hallelujah.
leave this place changed by your word. Let us leave this place, Lord, today changed by the challenge of your word. Let us be all converted and let each and every one of us find that conversion, find that change, that transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name. Somebody said, in Jesus' name. Jesus, say it again, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't forget ladies fellowship and luncheon next door starting right now when you walk out the door, walk that way to the ladies deal. Men, you have to go somewhere else. Wednesday night church, don't forget about Wednesday night church. Amen. Amen. Next week, youth ministry. Hallelujah. Greet everybody. Greet somebody. 